Amen. Go and get in your Bible to Proverbs 11. Proverbs 11. You guys didn't get one of these yet, did you? Yeah, Proverbs chapter 11. Did you guys get one of these on the way in? Okay, perfect. Proverbs 11. And as always, uh, we'll start our class with some of the questions that have been uh, uh, turned in. Uh, number one, how should we deal with a tantrum in public, such as a grocery store or a park? Uh, nearly all children at one time or another are going to throw themselves on the ground, uh, throw a tantrum. Uh, some children do it often. Uh, one of the difficulties of, of parenting is that very often what our children are going to do is not going to be done in private where we can handle it the way we would prefer to handle it. it it's going to be done uh, in, in public. Uh, the other problem we have is that the younger your children are, the closer the discipline has to be linked to their behavior or, or they won't link the two things uh, together. Uh, let me just say as we begin, you know, if this happens in private and you decide it's a, you know, that's what the appropriate punishment is in your home, I have no issue at all for a parent to decide to spank your children for throwing themselves on the ground. Uh, I mean, our goal, remember, it should be that our children get nothing good for being out of control of themselves. Remember, uh, someone who learns to manipulate their environment by being out of control uh, it is never going to help them in their marriage. It is never going to help them in the workplace. Uh, there are people probably in this room. And to this day, you manipulate your environment by being out of control. And the likelihood is, is that started when you were a child. And uh, we just don't help our kids, so we, we need to be sure you do that. Uh, in public, you're going to have to use some other tools. Uh, ignore them. Uh, just walk over in a distance and just say, hey... You know, when you're done, uh, you know, being silly uh, in public, I'll be over here waiting for you. You know, I do not recommend, you know, snatching them up and whacking them upside the face and any of that kind of stuff. You know, you just got to be smarter than that. And uh, you can also do other things on the way home from the store or wherever you went publicly. Stop and get ice cream uh, and don't give it to the person who was out of control. There are a lot of things you can do. You say, well, then they'll lose control of themselves again. If you are not willing to be tough enough to have them not be rewarded for losing control, you're going to raise somebody who's going to be out of control. Uh, question number two, if I force my children to go to church while they're under my roof, won't they later rebel when they move out? Uh, if you force them to go to the dentist and the doctor and to go to school for their own good, will they later resent school doctors and dentists? Maybe. But the bottom line is, is you have to be able to walk away from what your kids do as adults and have no regrets. Re remember, that ought to be one of your great life goals as you think about any situation you handle. No regrets. And so if you have uh, made them come to church and made them go to the doctor and made them go to the dentist and made them do their schoolwork and they resent all those good things, it won't be on you. Um, by the way, in the vast majority of cases, when a child is saved and they grew up in a home where the parents lived a victorious Christian life, they're not going to resent going to church. Now, if you lived a hypocritical life 
and uh, they're not saved, that can be different. Question number three, how can I, by the way, going to church is a natural response to someone who's truly saved. It is a natural response. Uh, Question three, how can I help my spouse stand up for themselves? Our children do not respect them. Uh, The first thing you have to do is ask yourselves, are you treating that spouse with respect? Um, And look most carefully at the times when you disagree because then you'll really be manifesting how much respect you really have for them. I regularly see both moms and dads who subtly undermine and disrespect the authority of the other parent. You know, sometimes they walk behind them, correcting and watching over everything they do. And if you don't think your children are going to pick up on that, you, you don't understand how perceptive human beings are. And so first, look at yourself. And the second thing I would say, you know what, if you're treating your spouse with respect, I mean, you need to understand that sometimes children uh, do things like mistreat their parent or disrespect them, uh, not because of your example, just out of their own fallen heart. And uh, I think uh, that the respected parent, who is more likely the strong disciplinarian, you ought to take up for the, uh, the other person. I, I remember uh, one time Wally, he was probably four, maybe five, and he, his mother asked him something, and he responded in a really, what I consider to be a bad tone. I just went over and I grabbed him by the shirt and I had him like this. I said, you will not talk to your mother like that when I'm here. Why wouldn't you do that if you're the respected parent? Uh, Question number four, how do you deal with discipline when your spouse and you do not agree? Uh, Disagreement uh, between parents about appropriate discipline, it is inevitable. You are two different people with two different perspectives, two different personalities, two different sets of gifts. Uh, It is inevitable. Uh, Wise parents just understand they need to work through it. Now, unwise parents just let that continue to drive a wedge between the husband and the wife and the children and one or the other of the parents. Listen, if there's no real abuse going on, I didn't say you just, I don't like what they're doing. If there's no real abuse going on, just let the other parent handle it and then talk to them privately later. Uh, By the way, I think it is very unwise, unless there's some kind of genuine abuse going on, that your children don't see you disagree over their discipline. I think healthy, private conversations are important. You should have them on a regular basis. Uh, In our house, uh, basically, my wife is a gentle soul, not a natural disciplinarian. I'm on the other end uh, of the spectrum. And we handled it in our house when she had them, and I wasn't there, she handled them. And I, even though I didn't like some of the things she did, I just assumed that God had something for them through her. Uh, When I was there, she let me handle them. I am sure that many times that made her grit her teeth. 100% sure. Uh, Did we have a lot of private conversations about it? Absolutely. But our children would have had no idea that her and I weren't on the same page. Work through it. Uh, Question number five, what do you do when your child tries to manipulate you to get more time at something or delay their bedtime? Uh, The first thing I would say is it's at least a good beginning for you to realize that your child tries to manipulate you. 
I mean, some parents, they seem they're so dumb. Oh, they just want to be with me. No, they don't. They just want to go to bed a half an hour later. And if you, uh, so again, I, I begin, I just commend you for understanding your child's fallen nature. What you need to do is you need to pick a bedtime that is good for your children and good for your relationship with your spouse, and then you stick to it unless it's some emergency. Listen, between the ages of about 5 and maybe 14 or 15, one of the most powerful things you have as a behavior modifier is bedtime. Okay? Going to bed earlier, going to bed later. It's a very powerful thing, and it will be far less powerful if you haven't established a bedtime that you just basically uh, stick to. Um, Question number six, how do we explain disciplining a sensitive child differently than their strong-willed sibling? Uh, If a child is old enough to recognize that you're not doing the same thing, uh, then they're also old enough for you to sit down and have a conversation with and explain why you handle the other child differently. Uh, We'll talk a little bit more about it later, but we talked about it some last week. By and large, as much discipline as possible you need to do in private. And so, by and large, especially when your children are young, they're not even going to recognize that you're handling the other one differently. Uh, It would be nice, in an ideal world, if we could always do the exact same thing to every one of our child and have them all respond the way we want to. The fact of the matter is, is as children get older and they come into their own personality, there are going to be different things that they value and different things that affect them differently. And you need to do what is equitable, what is fair. Uh, In an ideal world, you could always do what was the same. But we don't live in an ideal world once your children pass, who knows, seven, (laughs) eight, maybe nine. You have to pick what is appropriate for them. They may not like it, but you and your spouse need to have an agreement that, hey, what we're doing is equitable. What we're doing for our children is equally grievous for them. And if they're old enough to understand it's not the same, you just say, hey, listen, you know, this is what works for them. This is what works for you. You say they might not like it. Welcome to being a parent. All right? You need to... Uh, have handled yourself in such a manner that you're okay when they're not okay with you what, what you did. Uh, question number seven, our kids are wild uh, despite our effort to calm them. We are constantly judged and criticized. What should we do? <laughs> None of us get to do all of our parenting away from the public eye. That's just not the way it works. Remember, these biblical principles are very clear They're very understandable, but understand that life is messy. And the circumstances in which we apply these, it's also messy. And so the first thing you need to do is you must honestly face the situation and be honest. Are your children actually wilder and crazier than they're supposed to be? You need to honestly face that. All right. So so often we're angry at the messenger when God is interested in us considering the message. All right. You need to be sure that you are handling your children well. 
Uh, sometimes you need to take sugar away. Sometimes you need to take free time away. Sometimes your expectations, you expect them to be 70. Listen, I think if you have a kid that just sits in a chair and does nothing but read a book or play in their tablet, what you're raising is a lazy, overweight, unmotivated human being. Okay? It is good for kids to be kids. I didn't say it's good for them to be stupid. I didn't say it's good for them to act up. I'm just saying it's good for your kids to be active. You help them in that. But on the other hand, you need to teach them boundaries. Uh, what's appropriate public behavior? What's appropriate private behavior? And as a parent, if you've got a kid who's a high-energy kid, my mom will tell you that when I was very little that they decided they needed to keep me busy all the time because otherwise I was going to get in trouble. I don't remember that. I was just a little kid. All I remember is that when I was probably 18 months or two years old, being fascinated with these things on the end tables called doilies, which are like these little um, handkerchief fancy things that they used to have in my mom's house and grandma's house. And all I just remember is I always wanted to pull them. They just always, uh, I was a high energy kid, so they just always kept me busy. And you need to recognize your children's strengths and weaknesses. It's your job as a parent. All right? And um, re remember, uh, no matter what you do, parent, pe people are going to judge what you do. All right? You need to make sure that in your heart and in your mind, you know you're handling your children well. You know that. And what I would suggest to every parent, one of the best things you do as a parent is just decide to be gracious and forgiving and patient with the faults and flaws of other people's children. Because despite the fact that right now when your child is one, you think it's never going to be your kid, someday you're going to want someone to be gracious and patient and forgiving to your kid. Sow those seeds. Uh, some interesting but not always serious quotes. Here's the first one. One sure way to make your child's future miserable is to give in to all their demands now. Uh, number two, some parents could do more for their children by not doing so much for them. Uh, a couple of thoughts to ponder about parenting. Here's number one. Success in this world and faithfulness to Jesus Christ are sometimes contrary one to another. Here's the second one. Believe in your child and in God having a will and plan for their life and then be willing to let them pursue it. Here's the third one. Uh, thoughts upon her. Let your children live their own life when they're out of your house. Love them and welcome them, but don't force yourself into their business. Uh, today we are on week nine of 15 weeks of parenting. Um, I don't have all the answers. I don't pretend to. I've seen a lot. I've been through a lot. Uh, I want to help you. And we begin in this class with the scripture because the most basic issue in parenting is simply this. Does God know more than I do about what will bring a good life for my child? And for the last two weeks, we've been talking about biblical principles for discipline. Even though discipline is contrary and uh, our, uh, it is controversial in our culture, it is not controversial uh, in history, nor is it controversial in the Word of God. And these principles are super important. Remember the three most basic ones? First, if God disciplines his children, we need to discipline ours. 
And we don't really love them with God's kind of love, nor are we a parent like God is a parent if we don't discipline our children. You remember the second one? Our motive in discipline ought to be for the good of our children, not for our reputation. Remember the third one? Discipline should not be pleasant when it's going on. It should be grievous while it's going on. That's how God handles his. And then last week we laid down a, a few more principles. Today I want to do something a little different. Uh, go in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 11. I'm going to just let's read four or five verses together and then uh, I want to chat a little bit. Uh, Proverbs 11:14 uh, says, Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors there is safety. Look at chapter 12 and verse 15. It says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. Look at chapter 15, verse 22. Chapter 15, verse 22. says, Without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors they are established. Look at Proverbs chapter 19, verse 20. Proverbs 19, verse 20 says, Hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. Look at Proverbs chapter 24, verse 6. For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and in the multitude of counselors there is safety. Now, if you've been here very long or heard me preach and teach much, uh, these verses, or one or two of them, you will hear me mention them regularly because they reflect a very important Bible principle, and it's a principle that none of us seem to like. And it's a principle that just says this, seek wise counsel when you make key decisions in your life. But you make the decision. You will answer to God for it in judgment. You will answer in life for it as you watch the product of what you put in your children be lived out. And listen, if your children decide to make bad choices in life and live a painful, sinful life, the last thing you want as a parent is to look back and say, I wish I would have, and then you fill in the blank. Remember, no regrets. See, seeking wise counsel is not a show of weakness or a lack of intelligence or maturity. It's actually a show of humility and wisdom. It takes real strength to seek wise counsel. Listen, there's not a single one of us here that doesn't want to have someone tell us and substantiate and confirm what we already wanted to do. That, that's why people don't get wise counsel. They don't want to risk someone telling them something different than what they already wanted to do. Listen, you and I will make far less bad mistakes in life if we seek wise counsel. I'm not implying do what everybody tells you to do. That's dumb. I'm not implying find somebody who's wise and do what they said. I didn't say that either. I said in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. I said if you and I get wise counsel before we make big decisions, we will make a lot less bad mistakes. And so today, what I want to do, it's our last week on discipline. Uh, unlike the last couple of weeks, I kind of want to just sit down as if, it were after service and we were talking in the auditorium or we were sitting at your kitchen table and I just want to talk about some other practical thoughts on this idea of discipline. Here's the first one. Make the pain of discipline outweigh the fun of disobedience. You know, people are very different from animals. 
If you have a lab rat and you shock him for touching the red button, that lab rat will never touch the red button again. If you take a person and you shock them for touching the red button, they might just go touch the red button because you didn't want them to touch the red button. That's human nature, yours and mine. Now, maybe you're not like this, but the first thing that goes through my mind when somebody says, go do that, is no. I, I didn't say it's a good way to be. I didn't say I haven't tried to fight that in my own character, in my own heart. I, I'm just saying, uh, your children are not any different from that. And you, you need to keep at whatever it is you're doing because they may not immediately respond. Listen, there's a certain kind of pleasure for disobeying. Listen, if you're the kind of parent and your child has a curfew and they come home five minutes late with their girlfriend or boyfriend and your penalty is you chew them out for five minutes, you say, well, five minutes of chewing out for my parent that I really didn't listen to, five minutes with my girlfriend or boyfriend, I'll take that. If five minutes late got them a week away from them, you might decide, wow, you know what? The pain of disobedience is not worth the pleasure. <laughs> uh, try, to use, try not to use good things you want them to do as punishment. Uh, for instance, I wouldn't ground my children from church or youth activities in anything but the most extreme circumstances. My experience is nearly always backfired. Listen, there's going to come a day, and you may not see it yet because the ages of your children, you're going to wish your child has good friends. Listen, the, the, it is a natural process for a child when they become a teenager to begin to have other relationships and their relationship with you be less important. That's normal and natural. Wise parents set that up to be as good a people as you can keep in your kid's life. Uh, I would never make normal work chores punishment. Uh, in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about uh, character and, and how to build different positive character qualities in, in our, our children. Uh, when we talk about making the pain of discipline outweigh the fun of disobedience, don't use normal work as a part of punishment. Uh, now, you can choose pointless work or extra work, do their siblings' work, do jobs they wouldn't normally do, do wasted work, go dig a hole, fill it in. That, that's fine, but, but don't use normal work as a penalty. Why do you want to put in your child this whole idea that work is punishment? By the way, that's why some of you in here are lazy. That's why some of the people in our culture are really lazy because in their mind work is like punishment instead of something that's supposed to be fulfilling in life here's the second thing number two have clear guidelines beforehand as much as possible for what will happen be, be consistent in how you respond and what you choose to ignore I mean for instance don't laugh one day when your child looks at you and says no and then spank them the next day for that don't, don't laugh one day when they smart off to their parent and then the next day punish them for that. I, I get it. This is, it's hard when you're tired. It's hard. You know, what, what, life is messy. 
we have bad days, we're, we're tired, things are going on. Uh, it's hard to be consistent, but uh, as much as possible, when you have clear guidelines, it will help you when you're weak and tired and angry and all those sorts of things because it's already determined what's going to happen. Always and at every age, you're going to have to choose to ignore some things to focus on some other things. I mean, I, I, I've had parents come to me and, and their teenager is uh, smoking pot and uh, they're immoral and they don't come to church and they're smoking cigarettes and, and they're, you know, really angry. Their child is smoking cigarettes. And, and I, I said, listen, I don't think you should smoke cigarettes, but I'd be far more concerned about the other things. You, you need as a parent to identify the key issues that are going to destroy your life, your children's life. Uh, in our home, uh, lying, cruelty, disrespect, and willful disobedience all has brought the most severe offenses. You say, why? Because those are sinful. You say, does that mean your kids never lied or were cruel or disrespectful or willfully disobedient? That didn't mean that at all. Uh, they have to ultimately choose not to do those things, but those were the things that brought the most severe punishment. Uh, things like forgetting something you're supposed to do or doing a sloppy, sloppy job, okay? That's a reflection of childish immaturity. I didn't say don't do anything, but that's not the same as willful defiance. In, in our house, uh, things like spilling your milk or uh, doing those things, knocking something over when you weren't doing something stupid, that's just a part of being a kid. We didn't do anything. Clean up the milk. I, I have known parents whose children, the child spilled the milk at the table, they, they give them 20 whacks. It's ridiculous. Your child ought to clearly know what they're being disciplined before, for, both before and during and after it happening. I, and again, I, I just remind you, if it's grievous for them when it's going on, it's going to hurt you as a parent when you're doing it. These clear boundaries help you not to overreact so much. Here's number three. We're just sitting across from the table. Be a team of parents. We've talked about this a couple of times in one way or another. It's just a reminder. God intended children most often to have a father and mother when that's available. I get it. There's times when that is not available. I, I get it. And you have to make the best of your circumstances. I, I get that. But it only makes sense when you can. You need to be a team. One parent should never go behind the other parent's back and criticize what they did. Listen, your seven-year-old will, will be okay with them not knowing that you disagreed with what they just got. That's very harmful for your kid. You shouldn't publicly criticize what the other parent has done. Uh, listen, like I said earlier, don't disagree in public over their discipline unless something genuinely abusive is going on. I know you're not going to believe this, but your children will play one parent against the other. They love you, but they don't care about your marriage. They care about getting their own way. 
I realize it's very difficult if you're divorced, if uh, you are in those circumstances and, and you have all these fears uh, and understand that, you know, related to where they're going to live, everything like that. I, I get it. It is not easy. But listen, your children will play one of your parents against the other. One of the greatest things you will begin to do as your children get a little older is instead of just immediately doing something, say, let me, did you ask your dad? Have you asked your mother? Because what they will do is they'll ask one parent, and if that parent doesn't give them the answer they want, then the kid will go to the other parent, and then they'll just do what they want. So my, my little girl would never, yeah, right. Uh, somebody asked the question, when the mom stays home all day, should the father primarily take over discipline when he arrives? Um, you know, it just depends. I, I personally think it's unwise to save everything for the parent who returns home from work. So you just make it so that when that person gets home from work, it's the most dreaded part of the day? Is that smart? Listen, you're a team of parents. I get it. Sometimes you need to save some things. That's fine. But you're a team of parents. So it just depends on what kind of day you're having. Sometimes you should save things because you're going to overdo it if you do anything. <laughs> depends on the issue for which you're given discipline. Depends on who's the better disciplinarian. Depends on the ages and genders of your children. If you remember this basic concept, we are a team, and it is always acceptable to say, you know what, what you did is not right, and something's going to happen about that, and we'll talk about it later. Let him cook on it a while. In an ideal world, though it rarely happens, it's best to have both parents who properly and consistently discipline. Uh, here's number five or um, number four, I'm sorry. Use action more than talk as discipline. <laughs> Especially when your children are young. Now, now I get it. When your children get old, older, there are some things you can talk about. But in the end, just like last week when we talked about our yes being yes and our no being no, if your discipline is all about talk, you will fix very, very little. Uh, you may or may not agree with this, but what I would recommend is that as your children, uh, they, when they become capable of this, I recommend you allowing respectful discussion. I don't think disrespectful discussion is the same as respectful discussion. But in the end, it always needs to be, hey, you know what? Uh, you are the authority there from God. You're the parent. Do what you need to do. I get it. You're a mom. You're there all day long. You've been haggling with them all day long. You, I, I get it. It's super hard to be a person of action, but the more you do that, the better uh, it will be for your children. Here's number five. Do as much discipline as possible in a normal tone of voice and in your right mind instead of anger. <laughs> now, I wish I could say that as a parent, I never disciplined when I was angry, uh, but I did. Uh, one of our children is here. Uh, by the way, that's one of the reasons I have to be honest with you. Uh, Mikey probably spent 500 nights at our house. Shane probably spent 1,000. That's probably fair. Maybe 900, maybe 450. Uh, listen, uh, that was always my goal. I, I didn't achieve it, but that ought to be your goal. 
I did really, really good with never disciplining them in their anger uh, until maybe one of them got to be about 13. And, and then it was just a constant battle with myself. Um, that's one of the reasons why I said last week you need to establish a procedure for discipline that helps you not discipline in anger. Like I told you before, uh, our uh, procedure was we would make them go to our room and sit on the bed. Uh, I would wait a couple minutes. I would wait a couple minutes because it allowed me to cool down. I would wait a couple minutes because it allowed me to think about what I should do. I would wait a couple minutes because it allowed me to pray about what I should do. And then I would go in. I would sit down by him. I would say, now you know you did this, right? Yes. Now you know what happens when you do that in this house. You get a spank. Say yes. Bend over my leg. I'd give them one spot. I could count on one hand the times that they got two. And there were zero times and they got three or more. Minus the poke punches, right? I would leave. I would tell them before I left, hey, think about this, talk to the Lord. I would come back in a few minutes. When they calmed down, I would walk in. I would give them a hug. I would say, I love you. I would look them in the face. i say, no matter what, you know you always have a friend in your dad. Probably heard it a thousand times. A lot of trips to the bedroom. I would hug them. See, when you have a procedure, I'm not, that procedure is not in the Bible. Those principles are biblical principles. And you need to have a procedure that works for you, that minimizes the number of times that you do something in anger, that you do something extreme, that your children don't feel like you care about them. Here's number six. Make the discipline appropriate for their age, gender, and natural tendencies. Uh, sometimes preachers haven't helped people when they say things like, sin is sin is sin. Uh, that's true. But when it comes to in judgment, every sin is not the same. Some sins bring more severe judgment from God and more severe judgment in life than other sins. Read your Bible. Though God hates all sins, they don't all have the same consequences. And so you need to, as your children's season, you need to find what works and be appropriate. You know, in our house, when our children got older, time away from friends and the Xbox, they were effective. Uh, making them write things they got wrong in tests twice was effective. Like I said last week, we had two of them. It worked when we uh, paid them a nickel for check pluses, got nothing for a check, and paid us a dime for check minuses. We had one of them just say, take my money. I don't care. I don't want to do the work. And you can just say, well, you know what, I... I, I uh, that's what I want to do. Or you can say, you know what, I need to find out what works. And what worked on that child was, hey, anything you wrote that was wrong, you're going to rewrite twice. Fine. By the way, it's probably a good thing they learned what they got wrong anyway. Sharon's personality and mine, are, they're very different. And uh, that's the same in your house. Somebody turned in the question, should the discipline be different for boys than girls? You know, it depends on what 
uh, how old your children are. It depends on where in the discipline process you are. When they're young, if it's still effective, you know, the one SWAT thing can work. But you know you're going to get to a point somewhere maybe between most kids, between 8 or 9 and 11, where, you know what, a, a kid would rather do what they want and just take a SWAT. And for some kids, it's even younger. So what you got to do is you got to find out what is appropriately grievous for them. They're going to gripe about no matter what you choose, but you need to make sure that you're doing something equitably, equitably grievous to them. Somebody turned in the question, when do you think spanking becomes inappropriate? What do you recommend after that? Um, I, like I said, most of the time, I, I, 9 to 11, and some kids even younger. Listen, some kids have a high tolerance for pain. And what you're going to do, you're going to just end up beating them and doesn't do any good. Well, I'm going to spank them. Well, goody for you. That's real wise. If it's not working, find something that works. Um, remember, the point of discipline is to modify behavior, reach your heart. I recommend a combination of positive and negative things. Not just negative things. Take away cell phones, computers, video games, TV, friends, bikes, sports practices, sports games. Ground them from friends. Ground them to the kitchen table. Ground them to the couch. Ground them away from brothers and sisters. Ground them to a room. Put them in bed early. Remove entertainment from their room. Have them write sentences. Have them write appropriate Bible verses. Have them spend hours on a learning game. That was part of the discipline in our house. You got a bad grade, you had to spend so much time on Math Blaster. By the way, wouldn't you think it's a good thing you do bad in math, that you learn to get better at math? Add trips to get ice cream. Give them later bedtimes. Have friends over. Buy them pizza. Give them money. Uh, give them extra time with you for good behavior. Teach them this basic life principles. Whatever you sow, you reap. If you and I don't get that basic principle in their heart when they're a child, it's going to hurt them as an adult. Number seven, direct your discipline at your child's attitude rather than their person. And by that, I mean, don't say things like you're stupid. Say, that's a stupid thing to do. Don't say, hey, you're really dumb. No, say, that's a dumb thing to do. Little things like that really, really help. Number eight, uh, you're responsible for some kind of discipline as long as they're under your care. I do not believe you ought to treat a 15-year-old the same way you treat an 18-year-old in your house. I don't believe you ought to treat an 18-year-old like you treat a 22-year-old college student. I'm just saying you need to have some structure in place if they're under your care because you'll answer to God for it. Number nine, only discipline your own children. By the way, that's difficult enough. Number ten, do as much of your discipline as possible in private. Now, I, I get it. Sometimes we can't. Remember, these principles are easy. Life is messy. So why do you do it in private? Because anything you and I do in public as a parent, while other people are watching, all of a sudden our ego is involved. And we're doing easily what then what we want people to think about what we're doing instead of what's best for our child. By the way, when we discipline in them in public, their ego is involved. As much as possible in private. And, and lastly, number 11, make sure you honor God above your children. If you write notes, write 1 Samuel 2, 27 to 31. Uh, 1 Samuel 2, 12 to 17. 
uh, chapter 3, verses 12 to 13. Listen, uh, God was not happy with Eli for choosing his children over him. Say, how did that manifest itself? The Bible says he did not restrain them. By the way, God was not happy with Samuel for choosing his children over God. Say, how did Samuel do that? He raised them to positions that their character and faith and life did not warrant. And in every one of their cases, that hurt the kids. You're not in this class because you want to hurt your kids. You're in this class because you want to help them. And so make sure you honor God above your children. Next week, Lord willing, we'll begin a new subject. We're going to spend several weeks on it. We're going to talk each week about different things, about how to help our children build character uh, in their life. Uh, You should have a little square. Always write something on it, some kind of a question. Just put it up there. If you don't have a question, just put a smiley face on it. And uh, just put it up there so you can turn it in anonymously. God bless you.